Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. I'm Jake. And this is the last episode of 2018. It is. Happy New Year, Jake. Happy New Year to you as well. You Actually, seem- no, Happy New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's Eve. So you seem like the type of guy that I would a New Year New Year's resolution. You seem like the guy. Like you'd be like, I'm going to the gym or nah. I'm no, it's not nah. you. It seems like you. Yeah, like the that- like the really like optimist guy thinks really <laughs> like thinks he's gonna change his life and really turn things around. Maybe I'm already perfect, Chris. No. There's nothing more I can do to better this. You're you're all set. Everything is, <laughs> this is, is as good as it gets. <laughs> yeah, well <laughs> too bad you can't do anything about your height. Well, thanks. <laughs> I, I'm I, sure there's some surgery in Russia where they break your legs and add a couple inches. Oh my god, yeah, there there probably is. So do you have a, what's what's uh what's on today's show? What do we got going on? So this is a special show. We have basically our best of 2018 segment. So we went through and listened to all of the episodes that we had in 2018, all of the good ones at least, right? and picked out our favorite uh, basically categories. So we have episode of the year, we have the best rant from Chris, we have the best history story, and we'll run through those. So that'll be really exciting. We've also got a guest here. Yes, we do. He's in studio. He's going to be with us in a little bit. His name's The Mark P. I was curious why... If if anybody in the Volkswagen land... Uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll recognize the name. It's basically Volkswagen royalty, so it's good to have him in. So we're going to talk to him about uh, kind of the car culture and where the Volkswagen scene has come and gone, and how that ties into the larger scope of uh, of the car scene in general in terms of forums and Facebook and Instagram. We're also going to get into some maybe some uh, some wagon works and AWOL.TV. Those names might sound familiar to a few of you, and uh, kind of the the rise and fall of. The, the the media culture uh, surrounding Volkswagens too, sure. and uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about where things are going. So he's going to be on later as well. So it's going to be a cool episode. I'm I'm, I'm really excited. So anything new going on with you? I what's do, the, what's and the I have story? something to show you. Actually, what what is this, Chris? That is a that is a bullet from. This looks like it actually an AK forty seven round. It, I don't know the round. That it's either it it really looks like. The shell casing that's crushed with either, right. the, either that or it's so you're a, saying seven point six two. It's it's either a three oh eight round or, or a, a seven six two. Yeah. So here's the story that goes with this. My sister gave that to me. She calls me one day. She goes, "So I was driving home and I heard a loud crack as okay. I'm driving." She's right. like, "It sounded like I hit something, but way louder than it should have been." Okay. And then she got in, pulled in her driveway, and heard hissing from her tire. <laughs> So she actually called me on make fun of her a little bit. She goes, should I drive it over to the tire place right now? I was no. like, well, you'll get one block away from your house and not be able to go any further. Right. Just So like- I was like, no, hold tight. So uh, my dad went and helped her and they took the tire out, brought it to wherever, discount tire, I don't know where. And they pulled this out of it. It was in the tire. It was in the tire. This part was. So, but the fact that only this is left Wait, and was it, the was actual the, was bullet. The, was the bullet buried in the tire or was the other this side? This is what was left. Okay. So this was in the tire, and the shell, the powder, was all out of the tire, is what we're trying to figure out here. And as she drove, we think it exploded the charge. It set it off. But because it's not in a chamber or anything, it just blew up the casing. Right. Yeah, that, well, that's what that's what would happen. So basically, the was. do you think that the, the primer went off? It had to have been the primer. So it just somehow just hit like Either a rock? Either way, yeah. That's incredible. Well, I've never heard of that or seen that. Yeah, that's so I new. thought that was really interesting. You should uh, you should hold on to that. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, what else is going on? Oh, I almost killed myself last night. <laughs> okay. While uh, I'm, I'm wiring up, so you know I'm 
kind of redoing my garage, and so I got a new. Right, you're compressor. making it into a garage that looks like nobody's ever worked in it. So you're gonna have to get started on that because it's way too clean right now. Thank you. You I need to just guess. take like greasy handprints and put them all over. No, the walls I just painted stuff. the whole thing all white. Why would I do that? Because <laughs> right now it looks <laughs> clinical. You got to do something about no, it. No, I like that look. Um, no. So, anyways, I got a new compressor for Christmas, and I the place I wanted it didn't have an outlet, so I was running new electrical to it so i put sure. in the conduit and is it 110 else. or 220 or was it uh i could have ran it either way i already had a 220 on that side of the garage that i wired up so this i was just wiring 110 okay, okay. so but you're running what are you running like a 30 amp breaker then or it what? was a big breaker but the thing that would have been deadly because i've i've electrocuted myself on 110 countless times it, it'll wake <laughs> you up i'll tell you that yeah much. you feel it it feels you feel it it's like the 12 volt battery putting it on your tongue but it's like in your but whole arm the whole body like, yeah <laughs> basically uh no so the danger here though is i had to go up in the rafters to splice in this wire to the existing circuit so i'm straddling two roof trusses with sheetrock below me on top of the garage rafters when i thought i hit the breaker but I hit the wrong breaker for the line I was tapping into. Yeah. So luckily, I was using my screwdriver to take off whatever this was, and it just went <laughs> like <laughs> loud crack snap. So basically, you, sparks you, you everywhere. basically grounded out the screwdriver. I grounded it out. Yeah. But if I had reached my hand in there first, I would have shocked myself and then fallen through the roof onto the concrete. That would have been, would have been good for today. Oh, it could have been great for today's episode if you had survived. Because the story would have been even would have better, been in, like at least a cast, and maybe not doing well. well. When I like am doing things with like outlets and a screwdriver, and I didn't hit, the, I did almost the same thing. Okay, I was putting the new outlets that have the little USB ports on them, mm-hmm. so you don't have to have a power block. Yeah, on. You just charge whatever you want. Right. So I was doing them in the basement, and I it's there's a, it says basement on the freaking breaker. So I'm like, okay. Hit First this. of all, written in pencil or pen? Pencil. Isn't that the worst? <laughs> so, Quickly go over that with pen. Because in two years, that's going to be not, faded. Or not, because it's wrong. Oh, okay. okay. Well, first, so, make sure it's accurate. <laughs> so basically, the, I was like, great, it's off. Flipped it off. All the lights went off in the, in the basement. There's okay. no lights on. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to put this thing in. And as I'm like unscrewing the... Oh, yeah. It's like, you can just feel like... It's almost like a tickle when you're holding a screwdriver or something because all the current right, doesn't go through. It, and you just feel like you're getting like... Just like a little bit of a... Yep. And you're like... <laughs> you know, you can just feel it just like a little bit, right? Right. So I'm like, oh, God. So I, I just basically, I'm like, okay, what about this one? Dish. Nope, there's still current there. What about this one? Dish. Nope, there's still current there. It was wired on the, my entire basement is wired on the same circuit as the microwave in the kitchen. <laughs> well, that makes sense. So we're going to, I'm going to take that apart. Do you have an older home? That's it's not like that 1993. old of a house. Huh. It doesn't make sense. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to pull all the breakers off, and I'm going to look and see if I can move that stuff on its own onto its own breaker. Yeah, because it's all right. The basement's right next to the, to right. the box. So I'm going to see if I can I can figure that out. But holy this has shit. been home improvement hour on Overcrest. Yeah. So I almost electrocuted myself. You almost electrocuted yourself. And it's probably why your hair looks kind of <laughs> like it does right now, right now. To be honest. Um, Thanks. What, so, what's new with you besides uh, almost electrocuting yourself? Well, that wasn't this week. What have you been doing this week? So this week, I basically didn't do anything but work on the snowmobiles. So I went to pull okay. them out of the garage and start them up. And, of course, they did not start. First of all, you know what the, the thing where you put dryer sheets and things you're storing? So yeah. mice? No, false. Proven, false. proven false does not work. Well, I, had, I had at least. Did you not do mothballs as well? I did not do The dryer as well. sheets are only to cover up the smell of the mothballs, Chris. What do you mean cover up the smell? Why do I want to cover up the smell of the mothballs? Because mothballs smell, smell bad, but the mice still don't like it. 
well, I don't care if the inside of my snowmobile smells bad. <laughs> Who cares? Anyway, there's like a barrel full of like pine needles and leaves in my snowmobile, even though there's dryer sheets everywhere. Okay. Dryer Did sheets. Did it get wet? Because the dryer sheets lose their uh, no, odor. It's, it's under the cover. There's probably like 10 of them. I, okay. They still smell. I can still smell Only them. Only 10? Oh, you got to use half a box. Well, whatever. It didn't work. So I had to clean all that out, and then it wouldn't start. So then I had to pump all the gas out of it with, like, a little diesel pump. You didn't pump. put any stabilizer in I it? I did. I okay. did, but it didn't work. Did you drain the carbs? Um, I don't uh, remember. No, I probably... No, here's what I do. I usually turn the fuel off and let them run till they sputter, yeah, yep. and then I just turn them off. So that's generally how, how I do it. So, But anyway, the nothing. tank was full of bad gas. So I pumped all of it out, put fresh gas in, and they started up, like, third pull. Both nice. of them, Jess's and mine. So that's all set. I drove those around today. We finally got some snow. So I was able to rip around on the snowmobile a little did bit. Did you get rain up north yesterday? Yes, we did. We got rain and snow. Okay. But, like, we had a decent amount of snow. You know that talking about just... weather is, like, the lowest form of communication, right? <laughs> okay, it's never like, mind. It's I like was what? just surprised you had enough snow to go snowmobile. We did. We did. Okay. So, but you, you're, we'll leave it at when that. When you talk about weather with people, that's when you're like, all right. We got nothing, we else, got nothing to else to talk about. Or it's, you know. It's, all right. So, good. Snowmobile. Now it won't snow anymore. That's yeah, all I'll I've, say I've about weather. Confirm that. So, so um, before we uh, bring Mark P into the studio here, I just want to remind everybody to go to Patreon.com/slash/Overcrest. Five dollars a month, you can get all the episodes for uh, early. You can get right. a T-shirt. Ten dollars a month, you get a T-shirt, a print, and all the episodes early. And we're actually going to be doing a um, an, an exclusive episode for our five dollar and up subs- uh, subscribers. Right. So, so that's going to be, be starting in January. Sitting there listening to Overcrest exclusive content. Get all the episodes early, wearing your T-shirt, looking at your signed print from Chris. Probably drinking some scotch. Are we going to include scotch in the Overcrest <laughs> package? I was just <laughs> Not at this tier level. Maybe okay. we'll have to work on that. <laughs> the super hey, high if you end. send us enough money, I'll just tell you your own scotch. <laughs> there you go. It'll, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be great. Um, so anyway, if you like the podcast, spread the words to your friends. Don't be selfish. If you like this podcast, they will too. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Welcome back, guys. We are here in studio with Mark. Thanks for flying all the way out to Minnesota just for this podcast. Just for this. Yeah. You guys. To, to, to be fair, Mark is here. We're working on a top secret project together. Um, and, and we got together in California at 1552 headquarters and talked about a project that we're working on that we can't tell anybody about, which is rude, but we can't. But you're here to work on that. But I figured, why don't we have, like I said, some Volkswagen royalty on the podcast today to share some stories? You flatter me. I that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Um, but it's true. I mean, you uh, you started out with um, with some pretty cool stuff in uh, in Florida. How did that all come together? What's that all about? Uh, basically, uh, at the time when I got my uh, my first Volkswagen, the Florida Volkswagen scene was pretty dead. And uh, just in looking for like minded individuals, we sort of put together a little group and started doing some videos. Um, at a time when very few people were doing any kind of video. And what's this a circa when? Like, what kind of year are we talking about here? Um, 05? Started in, like, 04. Okay. I uh, started video making videos in, like, 05. And uh, we basically got our popularity in, like, 06 uh, as South Florida dubs. Um, so what, kind of, what were these videos about? What, were you, what was going on? Basically, we took, we took our, uh, our inspiration from groups like uh, Wagon Works and AWOL. Not AWOL, uh, uh, Dubcore. Oh, man. Dub Audi. Dub Audi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going through the whole list of... Uh, of the of the elites. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, basically, you know, Dub Audi was ruler of the, the media world in the Volkswagen scene at the time. And, you know, we were all super inspired by them. So we I think everybody was because there wasn't there, there was, was like nobody. a vacuum of media. Yeah, there was nobody. It was just those guys. So they would put out these basically what I call car porn videos, where it's just these great videos of their cars. And they had these mm -hmm. beautiful, um, beautiful builds that everybody's like, wow. And, and it was the first time that you would you were seeing something other than just photos because you go on VW Vortex all the time and you would see like all these cars. But then all of a sudden there they were brought to life in video, which seems really weird for anybody that wasn't around before that stuff existed. To be honest, though, like Dub Audi was doing that when none of the car scenes had video. So right. they, they were like mm -hmm. they were the first to start and they happened to start in the Volkswagen Audi scene, um, which, you know, we were in. So I, we were inspired to do that and had our own version of these videos, which basically were less car porn and more jackass lifestyle, you know, <laughs> yep. brought in, you know, what we were doing with our basically stock cars because we were just kids with no money. Dub Audi, these guys had money. They were, you know, they were building awesome cars that we were just like, we can't afford that, so let's have fun instead. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we were doing the dumb stuff like tray sliding, like all the stuff that we used to do when we were kids. And Dub Audi was kind of over that stuff, but we weren't. So we videoed ourselves doing dumb stuff on, you know, handy cams, and uh, it obviously had a market for it, though. Yeah, I mean, we blew up really quickly and had a ton of fun in the process. Put on car shows, traveled. That's when we started traveling to H two O to Waterfest. Speaking of H two O and Waterfest, what were those shows like back then? Because everybody looks at looks now and they go, "Wow, that stuff is a total shit show." When you look at H two O, but. They seem to forget that if you went back to Waterfest in like 06, 07, it was also a total shit show. And there's a lot of partying and, and raucous stuff. Different going kind on. of shit show. So, what was the difference? How, was, how have things changed? Um, social media centric now. Uh, everyone mm -hmm. does it for Instagram, does it for uh, the, the popularity, the clout, if you will. Um, back then, it was more about uh, building a car to impress your peers as opposed to doing crazy stuff to impress the world. Sure. Um, so I think now because you, you can blow up overnight, people are pushing their, the envelope a lot more. Than well, in 0506, you'd spend, you know, a couple of years building a car and it was like this secret thing, right? And you would, you would bring it to like H2O and you'd hope to get, you'd, you'd go to the, the big, big ass barbecue, right? And you'd take your car there and you'd hope that you would get picked for top dog contest and maybe you i never i never i, never, I wasn't i I'm, never I'm talking, competed i I'm never talking competed hypothetically you <laughs> yeah. know you know what people to be honest to h2o be. was always the same as what it is now just on a different scale before it was just Volkswagen and audis now they you know all the rest of the cars decided to go and from five to ten thousand cars to like thirty thousand cars the city cannot handle it so what happened they just cut us off yeah it's over right you know it's done now it's in atlantic city have fun with that did that even happen this it year? It happened, but it was a blip. It was nothing. Nobody mm. cared. I mean, literally, H2O Ocean City was still a bigger deal than the real H2O in Atlantic City. So in the mid-2000s, like 2005, 2006, 7, 8, everybody was still pretty, like, static, right? Everybody was static as king, and they rolled hard, right? And they didn't care about their oil pans and everything like that. And then we had this, this weird shift towards air ride. Where, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we had this, like, how did that... We went from, like, in my opinion, we went from these well-rounded builds. Now, your car is an exception, um, and we'll get to your car in a minute. But we went from these well-rounded builds of, like, 
things that you had to have. You had these boxes that you needed to tick. You had to have your interior done. You had to have some sort of performance stuff going on, big turbo, whatever it was. You had to have wheels, and you had to be static. And then anything body was kind of like you could also do body work and stuff like that. But it seems like it started around that time to shift towards these uh, towards this world where it was just like all you really needed was to look good. You needed bags, you needed wheels, and maybe some body work. And everything else didn't really matter because nobody else could see anything else. What what kind of precipitated that? I think you're skipping a bunch of years in there because when Air Ride first started, it was about completing your car. It was about basically the last mod that we would do. You know, you got the wheels, you have the bodywork, you have the interior, you have, you know, you have everything, but you were sick of breaking stuff because you, you know, getting lower and lower was the trend. Right. Personally, uh, and I can only speak for myself with this, I was sick of breaking stuff and I want it to be fast and I want it to be low. So the only thing that made sense to me was adjustable suspension. Well, there was this part of the of the scene that w- liked to martyr itself when they broke things, though. Yeah, that was right? never me. I was I, I did it once, and I was like, this is terrible. I and I broke my first oil pan on a turtle, and I was like, <laughs> like an actual <laughs> living turtle. turtle. No, 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 <laughs> turtle lived. My my oil pan broke. The turtle lived. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a hell of a turtle. I, I jacked my car up and I pulled him out and I put him in the, back in the water. No cracked shell or anything. Wow. So well, aluminum mean, oil pan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you know, I was just I. That was one time for me, and that was it. I was, I was like, this is dumb. I don't want. You're wanna, not the guy that yeah. has all his oil pans out at the nope. show next week. I star, think right? I think that stuff is, uh, you know, that that's the tryhard stuff for me. It's not not a thing. So again, I was sick of breaking control arms and having to do bushing, you know, bushing changes all the time, and I was just like, this is just money spent for nothing. Just wasting axles too. So, these guys, everybody would go through axles like every five minutes. Yeah, yeah. I went through a couple sets of axles, and I was like, "This is just wasting money. I don't like this." And I, my car was fast, so I was like, "This is just, this is just not smart." So uh, I was actually building an air ride car for my friend Andrew, who had a red Jetta. His name was Uberdork at the time. If anybody remembers that, <laughs> uh, probably won't. But um, he was the first actual Mark IV on air, like correct air in the country. So it's his fault. Uh, it was his fault because he asked me to talk to. Um, Kevin at Air Assist, do you remember that guy? I don't. Uh, he was the first air ride supplier in North America uh, for the for our scene. My my air ride experience was with Bagyard and open road tuning. That's way later. Yeah, this is that's got to be like six or six years down the road. That, weren't it was weren't a, the mini truck guys doing this well? Yeah, before but they're using they're using like half inch valves, like way different. It's way oh, really? different. So you way. So we no no. I learned that. everything. I learned everything that I learned that I knew from the mini truckers, but translated into Volkswagen hmm. using quarter inch line or three eighths line, using different valves, using multiple valves. Because those guys will just use four valves. Eight valves is like a luxury. They're like, why would you do that? It's a waste. But if you want to, well, they didn't need to handle exactly. But oh. I, I we found that out the hard way on that Jetta. We did four valves, and the car was terrible. Like right. I had to redo everything. We cut the rear cups no, off. No, like, it's terrible because the when you share valves on different sides of the car, the, the front, air, yeah, well, the front is connected and the rear is connected. So when you turn, you're like putting pressure, and it's like no, no, it's like doubling the pressure into one side. So it's the like car a sw- it's like a weird sway bar type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. A sway bar multiplier. Yeah. So what some of- people were do, then they'd be like, well, we don't want it only on the front. So then they would run it front right and rear left oh, to try and like. And it doesn't work either. No. I mean, it's just, it's junk. It's an extra hundred bucks. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's a little more you know, running lines. People are lazy. So mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of what they were doing. Well, either way, the paradigm shifted after that when suddenly, like, all you needed to be cool was bags and wheels. Right. But for a couple of years, it was pretty amazing to watch these amazing builds go on air and it would, like, finish the build. 
I wonder if that has to do also with the fact that, like you said, there weren't a lot of suppliers out there. So it's not like today where you can just go online and pick, you know, click the and order the kit already set to go for whatever platform you have, right? It, it was only when you got to that level of, okay, I'm investing this much in my, my build that then you would go to the level of buying a mm -hmm. full air ride. Well, setup. I think that's still the case to a certain degree just because air ride is so expensive. But at the time, it was really fun. I will say my favorite part of air ride was actually getting a chance to design some of the products that are still in use today. Mm -hmm. And I had a big part in that along with a couple other guys. Um, and it was just fun, like creating, you know, changing the geometries of the cars to accept air ride, you know, changing the upper brackets, changing the positions of the rear beams. You know, it was, just, it was fun. Why and do you think there was such a resistance to it? You know, at first, now it's everywhere, but it was like almost like there had to be a breaking point first where it was like nobody wanted it. And then all of a sudden it was like, whoa, everybody has to have it. Didn't it didn't make sense. Air ride and hydraulics were for show cars, and we drove performance vehicles. And I'm doing air quotes right now. <laughs> uh, so, and that was my first qualm with it too. I called, you know, Kevin, and I said, "I don't want air ride because I hear its handles are crap." And he, his response was, "Let me send you a set of struts from Europe. I'll pay for them, and let me prove to you that air ride handles as good or better than coils." And I was like, "That makes no sense to me." He's like, "Well, how low is your car?" I'm like, "Low." He's like. These will handle 10 times better than, better than your coilovers. And he was right because I was running, just like everybody else, running my coils so far out of efficiency. It didn't matter oh. if I had PSS9s or Coney's or H&Rs. Or it didn't matter. I could have had FKs or you know current race lands. As low as we wanted to be, we're almost on the bump stops anyway. And right. the shocks so can't it operate. It made no difference. So my air ride handled, like out-handled my current coilover setup, which was H&Rs, you know, 10 out of 10. You know? Right. He proved me wrong. And, you know, from then on, I was like, all right, cool. I'm happy. And I, th th to get their static stuff to, to actually work and handle well, the, you needed to modify stuff to such a degree that you might as well have just gotten air right in the first place. Exactly. For Jess's car, I had, like, modified strut towers and, like, all these different things and h ultra, ultra, ultra lows, ultra, ultra lows to get the, <laughs> to get the strength, strut length to be shorter so I could have some suspension travel. Because you're trying to gain back all that suspension travel when you're just... Honestly, you should just get air ride in the first place. To be honest, uh, if you take your your H and R struts and you get the ultra 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 lows, and then and then you chop the shock shaft to get back into efficiency once you're super low anyway, then you have to revalve the whole thing. Yep. it's 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 a hassle. And to be honest, like we don't have the the tools to retune these suspensions. So I had a really interesting conversation with the guys from uh, from KW recently, actually, and uh, like the 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 actual geometry and the, the physics behind it all it's like beyond anything right so you change one little thing you have to readjust everything and nobody volkswagen kids aren't doing that they're not they're not bothering on, on the grand scale nobody's doing that they're looking at how cheap are these raceland yeah, coilovers yeah, exactly from china now there's like super china hey, i had my cheaper. i had my uh coilovers uh, my struts from air from airlift sent to directly from airlift to olin to get revalved and they were basically like, "We'll do it, but no, these are mono. <laughs> these are mo these are monotubes. Like you're never gonna be good. Huh. You want to do it right. Get a set of KWs. That's when I called. You know, I, I recently called KW, and I was like, let's let's do this. Let's let's make a bag, you know, a bag coilover that actually works. And they're playing they're playing ball. Them and uh, Universal Air. Sure, we're, we're, mm -hmm. we're all you know talking now and gonna retune a set and see what we can do. So a sealed set. Did you ever know that the green car was on air right at one point? 
you on air ride? It was. It was. Get <laughs> out of here. Yeah. So no. So this car was not mine. It was my well, wife's this car. This right? isn't fair because you're, you're kind of ruining the image of you from before I met you. I know. It's, I thought it's you weird. were so anti. You're anti air ride. Look at it this way. It was not my car. I was always super static. Pictures of my upon. Hey, check it out. I'm here's a picture of me with my grandpa who's 78 years old on the side of the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and he him going, "Why does this thing have to be so low?" Because I'm changing the oil pan and using the oh, using the using the sandbags that hold the barrel construction barrels down, using that to stem the flow of the oil going into the <laughs> onto the interstate. Oh my god! Yeah. So I built the green car, which some of our listeners may not know was a 79 Volkswagen Rabbit. It was a pretty Pretty crazy build. The motor was crazy, and the thing was beautiful, and had nice paintwork. And I'm like, you know what? I really want Jess to be able to drive it, but it doesn't look good unless it's really low, right? It just doesn't look good. And this is probably 09 is, is when this happened. So I called up Andrew at Open Road Tuning, and I said, hey, man, I need some some Air Ride stuff for my for my Mark One." And he's like, you, Air Ride? What are you talking about? Because I was like, I would like rail against this. I'm like, this stuff is garbage. You guys are pussies. You need to just, just drive it slammed, right? There's a grumpy old man that I know and love. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, you know, and I would fight with everybody tooth and nail. And everybody was like, whoa, Cluel's doing Air Ride, whatever. I'm like, no, it's for my wife. I wanted to actually be able to drive it. And uh, when the reality, I just was kind of curious, right? I, I, I was curious as to how it, how it would go. So, but it was, it was a nightmare, first of all. It took like six months to get the parts and when i got the parts they were somebody else's parts like somebody else's name on them and i'm like are these mine he's like well that was a weird time for open road tuning though that was when andrew was still kind of that weird i don't know if you remember that whole legal issue that he had with no 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 he had some crazy issue where like he basically like monopoly like he got a monopoly on backyard stuff well, whatever they, it was. And they were like sucked. fighting with him anyway, so like, they wouldn't send any of the right parts to him just to fuck him up. And it was like, oh, uh, so drama. The, the parts that I got were garbage. Yeah. They were Bilstein struts with some shitty bag on them. I don't mm -hmm. even know what they were. But to get the thing at a, when you would drive it, it was a four valve system. You know, it's, it's my wife just going to drive around really slow anyway. And I honestly, I wouldn't even know at that time. I'm mm -hmm. like, well, what do I need an eight valve setup for on an old golf? Who cares? But. The bags that they had in there to get the car when it would roll and it would look good, there was probably about eleven psi in the bags. So you're just hitting bump stops every it bump. Was, it, was like, it was awful. It was just wallowing all over the place. And to get it where it would drive nice, the thing looked like a Jeep. Yeah, like oh. it was jacked up in the air. I think they were probably for a Mark III mm -hmm. or something like they were Mark III bags that were made into to, to go on a, a Mark One Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And I ripped all of it out and I built uh, extended strut. Uh, uh, bearings and stuff like that and just put hr ultra lows out and was done and the yeah. car drove fine you know banging and bonking along as as low mark ones do mm -hmm. but i that was my only air ride experience that and i i remember going through a bag or going through rubbing through a line once and the and it's, it's just was like it's all it was all manual no bad bad air ride experiences basically taint you for life um luckily for me i had when i was doing the bag stuff i knew that i was you know trudging in like like just unmanned waters, you know, like we'd never, never done before. So I was okay with making the mistakes. And I had a, I had a mini truck guy with me who was hilarious, doing everything like, like super, like, like, like 
you know, manual valves and stuff. And I was like, what is this garbage? Like, <laughs> can we please use like real switches? So we like, you know, we kept on upgrading and upgrading into the point where I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take over from this. Like now I know how to do this. Like it's a different culture. Those guys just, they want things to go up and down really fast. Well, it, they're, they're, the drift, really they're the drifters of the race community. Like that's what the mini oh, truckers are. Go. Like they just like throw things together to get it done and get out there and have fun with it. Like and just make some sparks. Yeah. They Zip just, tie it and put your drag blocks yeah, that, on. Yeah, that's all they want. And uh, I, dude, I made like spring-loaded drag blocks because I didn't want them to get caught on stuff. Like, you know, we put magnesium and titanium and like get the different, different colors. Yeah, like, oh wow, it was a good time, man. Like, it was, it was, it was the the golden era of air ride for <laughs> me. Then it just went all downhill from there. Why? I, okay, so 2008, I was one of two cars with air ride. Uh, the other one being. Jason Nunzo, remember him? That name sounds familiar. Uh, he's the designer for 1552, the wheel designer. Okay. Uh, he had his uh, Passat on air in 06. But unlike the old airlift stuff, which didn't go low, but I didn't even know he was on air until the year I went on air. Um, but it was awesome being like one of like two or three cars, you know, having the little remote control to lift my car, people. And I would like play tricks on people and be like, clap twice. And he's like, clap on. <laughs> you know? The thing would go up a little bit. Yeah, Did yeah. I, before... We go too much farther. I, did I ever show you? Oh, I, you, if you never knew, you never knew what my controller was for the air ride. No, it was, it was an Atari, it, it was an Atari controller. Would go, you go up with the controller, it would go up. You'd hit down on the controller, it would go down. And if you hit, uh, and you could do front, left uh, by going did left. Did you build it yourself? Front. My buddy and I built it, and then it went into to, to relays. My buddy, um, Shane, yeah. helped out a lot with that project. It was, it, he was really, really That's cool. all, That's amazing. And then you'd hit the red button, and it would pancake. So it was, it was, it was, yeah. I had a, I had a PlayStation controller to do the same. There you go. Uh, and then the best one though was, uh, there was a green E36 uh, drop top and the cell phone, the old 80s cell phone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. That was the, the Air Ride controller. controller. That's, that's pretty sweet. It was amazing. That's, that's the kind of, you know, what's cool about the Air Ride is if everybody would build like a complete project, it's just like one more thing you could do mm -hmm. and personalize on the car mm -hmm. to make it your well, own. Ludwig did the, uh, the, what is it? The, what did he use? Like the camera, like an old camera as an Air Ride controller? I have no idea. John Ludwig, he had the, what was that car? Like the Corvair? Remember the Corvair? The really low Corvair? Mm -mm, I don't. The rusty Corvair? No. 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 Mm -mm. Well, he had a really dope Corvair that, like, he, well, his Mercedes, he had a, a Fintail, Mercedes, 1950-something Mercedes, and he did the, an old old camera, like a medium format camera as a controller. That's awesome. It was, so it's, it's, it was cool. It's cool to be able to have another thing on the car. But there's so few of those builds out these days that it kind of, like, you, know, you just have all these guys with, like, Lexuses and stuff, like... With the, like the bolt-on airlift kit, pretty and little, much little remote, and or like there's a one shop in California that like does everybody's uh, trunk setup, so they all look the same. They're beautiful, but they all look <laughs> the same, you know. Right. There's like there's no style to them, individual style. So what you're saying is that the golden era for you is when it was when you were making landmark progress towards doing something. And it was yeah. all really really unique and special. And Everything now it's all kind of you did was like this big deal. And now it's just become diluted. Pretty much. Yeah. Nothing. Oh. Nothing. Nothing's mind bending. Nothing's. Uh, New, everyone's like, oh, cool, it's another build. You know? you th to be fair, do you think it's because it's be it's become so hard to do something new and so expensive to do something new and fresh because a lot of things have already been done? Absolutely not. I just think people are lazy. I people are just looking for some internet fame, quick and dirty, and they don't mind paying for it. So, well, it's a lot cheaper to buy a blow-up doll and stick it out of your sunroof than it is to buy a nice set of wheels. So, that's that's for sure. <laughs> 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 I thought you were going somewhere else with that. No, nah, uh, it could have went. It could have went somewhere else. There are several things. So, you can do um, doll, turns ev out. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so eventually you started going to uh, to Worthersea, right? Yeah. And that's kind of where you met uh, Matt Crane and Stephen Campbell. How did that all come together? Um, you know, Russ, JJ, and I became pretty close. And these friends. are these are the Wagon Works guys. So no, no, no. Russ and JJ were Dubouty. Okay. They were the the heart and soul of Dubouty, along with a couple other guys up there, and. Uh, I became friends with them because those were the guys that came down to South Florida for South Florida Get Together. And uh, we talked about going to Worthersey. So we literally, I drove to Southern Worthersey in Georgia. This was the second or third year of Southern Worthersey. And then we drove to APR afterwards, just like a three hour, four hour drive. Then we got on an airplane and drove and flew directly to to Worthersey. Well, we, we flew to Frankfurt and then got. Now, for our listeners that don't know, Worthersey is basically the the premier or was the it premier. was the mecca of the volkswagen audi community it's actually where volkswagen and audi debut a lot of their cars it's such a big show um, and it's in Worthersee, austria it's in austria around a lake it's a bunch of towns but the main town is velden i think right i'm not sure i've never Pretty been there sure. i forget it's been a while um but yeah so we ended up flying to frankfurt got a camper van and drove around you know germany and austria till we figured out where Worthersee was <laughs> you know, basically parked in a weird lot at like three in the morning, passed out, woke up at like seven a.m. and like we were in a field by ourselves when we parked. And when we woke up, there's just like the most amazing builds all around us. Like I walk out in my underwear and I was like, "Oh my <laughs> god!" So just in contrast to what's going on in the United States, I mean, was that what kind no, of struck it you? Or crushed us? I mean, they made us look like we were, you know, nothing. We, you know. Our, our best cars didn't compare to their like mediocre ones. So my theory behind that is that you have Volkswagens and stuff like that. If you look at let's let's look at the what's the best stuff here in America, mm-hmm. right? It's it's the domestic stuff. It's the it's the old Mercury's and it's the old Boyd Coddington stuff. And you know mm-hmm. whether you want to say Chip Foo's, whatever, all that stuff is the, the really high dollar stuff over there. Volkswagens are their 67 Mustang or their Camaros. So they have the, that's where their money goes. That's their Mustang. That's their domestic. Well, their cars are much more expensive than ours. So a Mark IV GTI in 2005 cost us 20 grand, cost them 45 or 50 grand. So these guys already have money. We're just a bunch of kids basically playing with Mark IVs, and they're like adults with a lot of money that are dumping in on top of their 20, 30, no, sorry, on top of their 40 grand, they're dumping another 20 or 30 into it. Mm. Um, plus they're just, they're competing at a different level with each other. We, the way that I separated it was in America, we were going for speed, uh, cause all of our big best builds were just fast cars. They didn't care so much about speed cause of all the re- rules and regulations. So they went for show. Right. And the whole thing behind like stretch tires and stuff that only comes from them because they have so many rules and regulations. They wanted wide wheels, but their tires can't poke beyond the fender, not the wheel. So that literally came from necessity. It was not like a, I like the way this looks. It was like, well, I want 12-inch wide wheels, but I'm going to put two 15s on it. Because I have to. Because that's the only tire that doesn't go go past my fender. That became a look out of necessity, and then we just copied it. We could have run big, fatty, meaty tires and put them outside the fender. Wouldn't have cared. We don't get get tags for that here. At least in Florida, we didn't. But, you know, we, we took their style for a long time, and then... After a while, we started doing better because their air ride was like archaic and we kind of like jumped into like light speed with that stuff. And then suddenly the builds got better and better here because we were competing with Europe now. So now you're out of your, out of your van in your underwear at Worthersea. 
out of my van at Werther's E and we just saw the most amazing build and we kind of got a reality check when JJ and I were literally outside the van and somebody recognized us <laughs> and they're like, this is, this is, uh, you know, dub Audi wagon works at them. We're like, Oh my God, like, how do you know? And it's, I guess someone put out a note that we were going to be there to, uh, filming and taking photos and stuff. And it became a thing. So basically from there forward, we just got like, and this is like, Oh nine, Oh eight. 2008 uh no i want to say like 2000 maybe nine or ten because i'm trying to figure out when the first kind of uh wagon works videos from where C started to the come wagon out. works video that you know and love was that jetta that black jetta yeah that was their first one that really really took and that was like oh nine okay and we basically met stephen campbell and matt crane uh within that year at Worthersy. um how did, meet, how did meeting them come about uh, we were at the gas station at the Shell station, just having a beer, and uh, we met your friend Jason, um, and he basically was like, "You guys got to meet Stephen Campbell." And we're like, "Okay." So I met Stephen. We hit it off as friends, and he's like, "I got to go get Matt. We got to talk." So Matt came in, and we're like, "Well, we all make videos. Let's just do it together." And JJ ended up like really, really, really pulling the trigger and moved down to Virginia. Uh, Russ stayed up in New York. JJ moved to Virginia to make videos, and then everyone would sort of collaborate. I'd drive up, Russ would drive down. Um, and I just did it for fun. I wasn't really like, I wasn't making money from it, um, but I just, I had a job and I couldn't stop. So I would just come along on the trips and help film and help produce and just, just really have a good time with it. And uh, JJ let me do that, so I wasn't going to say no. Yeah, a lot of the end of the films, it'll just say it, special thanks. The Mark P, you yeah. know, and there's there's a lot of that. As I I went back and uh, when I knew you were coming today, I went and watched some of the old stuff and had some major nostalgia moments. That was that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, we we were lucky to be able to document some of the biggest, what I consider the biggest best of the original, like where the scene used to be. Like we got to experience, and you included, you got to experience the best of the Volkswagen Audi scene, which I think was like 05 to like 2012. This is like the best of the best, you know. And if you were if you were part of the scene back then, you got to, you know, you look at it now. It's like, why even try? So how did things go from um, with the, with because you guys Wagonworks AWOL.TV is what Wagonworks kind of became, right? I mean, it kind of evolved into that. Or mm -mm. Um, JJ basically dropped what he was doing with Dubcore, uh, not Dubcore, Dub Audi, and Matt and Steven dropped what they were doing with Wagonworks. And they became together AWOL.TV. Okay. Um, they didn't stop doing the other stuff, but they just sort of like left it behind for a while and did the AWOL thing together. Um, so. And then one day it was gone. And, I, and it got kind of, now there's like a million people doing this, you know, doing these videos and based, uh, really inspired by the stuff that you guys were doing. I mean, it, you guys really did pioneer with the South Florida dubs and then the wagon works and the AWOL.TV. And now it's almost like it was the, that was the tree that grew out and then the branches of it are insane. But it feels like maybe the, those guys just aren't involved anymore. I don't well, no, JJ now does all that stuff for MHT. So if you watch any of the Rotoform like, wheel videos, he's still, he's still pumping out great content. So if you want to watch uh, you know, JJ's stuff and where he's been, just look at all the, the Rotoform stuff. All that is him. And it's just as good as it ever was or better because now they're using better equipment. Um, but, you know, it's all there. Like, you want to watch JJ's stuff. Like, it's just it, everybody else sort of, like, 
copied that style so much that it's hard to differentiate. But uh, JJ always pushed the limit on, you know, he, he went and bought like a 15 foot crane. He went and bought the sliders. He went and bought all the, 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 the pro production equipment. He bought all that, you know, um, to push the limit. So when basically it was, it was so that he, when someone else bought a slider that was like a cheap $200 slider, it wasn't as good as what he was doing. Right. Like he went purposely and went and spent the money correctly, learned the product and, and pushed the envelope with it. So what, how do you feel about everybody that's out there now? Some of the, like the, the Titans of the video world or whatever, cause there's lots of guys that run around and film everything and mm. are just getting like massive, massive, this uh, is a hard credibility. This is a hard pill uh, to swallow <laughs> for me. I uh, I don't like where the video world has gone, and social media has to blame for it. It basically turned people that have very little skill and artistic vision, but have a lot of money and equipment, and basically allowed them to be be pushing the uh, the direction of the media scene. Uh, I'm biting. I'm like biting at the bit, or what is it? Chomping at the bit to start again myself and in doing so secret project secret project <laughs> <laughs> beep <laughs> i'll stop there along um, that same line let's not forget the quote influencers of social media you know and that's beyond just you know the car world it's like any industry now has these social media influencers and i just roll my eyes every time i see some of this i mean look uh, like i'm not going to say this across the board i'll make a i'll make a really you know, blanket statement generalization, and it's not everybody. So if you hear this and you all get all offended and butt hurt, I it's mean, everyone but you. No, it's not me. I'm not. I'm not an. I'm not an influencer. I mean, today in today's uh, uh, social media world, I'm I'm a blip. Uh, but um, I feel like to be a social media influencer in the automotive scene, you have to not know shit about cars. Because every time I meet another YouTube automotive YouTube star, they have no clue, but they have like someone behind them that's like really, really knowledgeable, basically feeding them what to do, how to do it, where to do it, what to oh. say, how There's to say it. There's very, very few but there are they, and journalists with dirty fingernails. They are, they are out there. That's and a good way of putting it. They are out there, and it's just hard to find. And the, the funny part is the best ones are the least known. You look at the biggest influencers in the automotive YouTube scene, I mean the one million plus people, and they have no, you know, no fucking clue. Sorry about cursing but it's <laughs> it's it's frustrating as hell to meet them and that's one of the, the 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 negatives of living in LA is I get to meet all these people and I'm like always underwhelmed. Yeah. You know it's interesting that um I have a lot of other photographers and journalists that follow me on Instagram we follow each other, right? And I can see like there's some people that are so the level of talent that is out there is insane and they'll have 1500 followers, 2000 followers, 10, whatever. And they have nowhere near the following yeah, as people they, that are just Garbage. They, they don't put all their time into actually taking the photographs and improving their skills and not caring about selling and themselves. And here's the thing. They're actually probably getting paid actual money and not getting traded fruit snacks from whatever company. <laughs> as, you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're point. actually they're not getting stuff. They're getting money. Yeah. And there's there's something to be said about that, that someone's actually getting paid to, to do this type of thing versus getting, you know, yeah, just the junk freebies. in the mouth. The freebies. You know what, though? Every once in a while, though, you have someone like like, you know, our mutual friend Andrew Ritter from yep. Sandsworks that gets the credit for being a super skilled photographer and gets the internet clout from it. Everyone knows who he is. Everyone right. loves his photography. And you know, he deserves whatever he gets, 
you know, from the scene, you know, all the all the clout points, if you will. Yep. He gets paid to do what he loves to do. And, you know, now he's pushing the limit with 1552. And right. his photos are doing nothing but getting better. Him and Mike. I mean, they might be separated now, but they're both doing awesome stuff, to, you know, separately. Yeah, there's exceptions to that for sure. But you have to keep in mind that there's all these um, lookalikes that want to be that. And, it's, well, you know, that's just a filter. You know, it's a Photoshop filter or like a like a, a Lightroom filter that. Andrew spent years, for example, getting his photos to look a certain way, and someone else just kind of goes, "Ooh, I can copy this by doing this and this and that." And, yep. You know, there's a Stanceworks-esque photos, but well, that's just how it goes. Um, do you have any more stories for us that we should get into before we go, or what do you think? Uh, I mean, give me, give me, give me something. You know, I got, I got stories from here to next week, but you got to give me, give so me something. You had a, so you you travel a lot, right? I mean, so you've you've driven your car a lot. Have you had any uh, any hardship with the car on some of your travels? Okay, I've got the best possible story for that. All right, let's I have drove uh, from LA to. Wait a second. What do you drive? Yeah, I was going to say, we, we have to preface this. We haven't gotten into what car this is. What's I, guess, your... I have a Turbo R32. Um, you may know it because it's brown. Uh, it's on a set of 1552 wheels. I tracked the hell out of the car, and it's on Air Ride. And it has, a, the motor is pretty nuts. Yeah, motor is fully built, uh, CP Carrillo, full Ferreira. Um, it's got a GTX 35R on it. What uh, kind of power does that put down? Um, at like 15 pounds, it's putting down about... Right around six hundred. Okay, that's pushing it though. I let the, I let the car to be at around four fifty to five hundred. It's it's a bit much after that. Well, it's a small car. I mean, you don't need a whole lot of power behind it. Well, just wait till I get the new you, turbo in. You could probably <laughs> run a little bit more than fifteen pounds on that car if you wanted to. The the motor is built to thirty five pounds for for thirty five pounds. Wow. Right. So then we're talking eight hundred horsepower. Uh that car. The motor. The motor itself is good for fifteen hundred. Okay. Uh, the, Seriously, yeah the the uh, the transmission is good for about twelve hundred, and the drivetrain is good for about a thousand. Now that transmission is pretty special, right? Tell, actually, tell us the story about getting that transmission, right. which is pretty cool. So I have an RSI transmission, and if y'all know about the history of Volkswagen, the RSI was a Beetle yeah. that was basically an R thirty two that came out two years before the R thirty two. So the transmission, they, those were built as race cars for race teams. When they retired the race series that used those cars. They, they sold them out to the public, uh, and uh, they made 25 transmissions off-car. One of those transmissions ended up at Eurosport in Northern California, and when I blew up my transmission the first year that I was in California, I happened upon this you know $18,000 transmission that I was like, no. <laughs> but I called anyway because I was like, why does an O2M have an $18,000 price tag? At which point they're like, oh, no, but it's... it's it's on a huge discount. We'll give it to you for nine thousand. To which I was like, no. Right. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you're smoking, but I'm not giving you nine thousand dollars for no two M. Hung up the phone, went to my shop, told him about it. He's like, that's the one I was telling you about. Just offer less. I'm like, but I don't want to spend more than like two grand right now. I called up and I said, look, an O two M should be about two grand. That's what I have to give you. They're like, make it twenty five hundred and take it. And no. I was like, done. But you didn't know and what you it didn't was. Know at the oh time? no, no! I knew I knew what it was when I called back after I went to my shop and James at Four Seasons was like, "That's the transmission of the gods." And so, what's this? Is it's the gearing that's different? It's the strength of the transmission. Gearing is a little different, but the ring and pinion comes stock to hold over a thousand. Okay. So, um, so, so now that we know a little bit about this car, why don't we? Uh, you drive the hell out of it. You drive it. You track the car. You drive it across the country. 
which is, I feel I feel major kinship in that with you, which is one of the reasons why we started talking. I'm like, man, this guy actually likes you drive. So tell us a little bit about the story you were just going to get into. All right. So I live in L.A., like, you know, and uh, I decided to drive my car to Worthersy, like I, the Southern Worthersy, like I do every year uh, without missing a beat. And this part, this particular year, it was kind of weird. I just got new wheels and I was like, I, uh, or I just got my wheels fixed. So I had like different wheels on the front and back of the car, which I thought were the same size and everything. They're off by a little bit. And halfway oh. through my trip, I blew my rear diff mm-hmm. in the middle of Texas, <laughs> 300 miles in any direction from anything, <laughs> anything. I mean, it was pitch black. I've never seen a pitcher black night in my entire life. And I couldn't have been farther from any one place. Literally the Bermuda Triangle of Texas. And I was in it. <laughs> I called AAA. I, I had to walk half a mile to find service. Wow. I finally got service. I called AAA and they're like, are you in danger? I'm like, well, I mean, that relative. <laughs> Eventually. That's, that's like relative. I'm like in the middle of nowhere. How long does it take to die of thirst? Three days? Yes. Well, then, yeah, I guess maybe. And the lady told me, she's like, well, we can't, we can't send a car out there. I'm like, look, I pay for just this situation. <laughs> Fucking send somebody right now. Right. Uh, finally, some guy came, picked me up, drove me the 150 miles that I had, and he goes, I got to stop now. Wow. I'm like, but we're still 150 miles away from wherever. And he goes, sorry, got to call again. He drops me off on the side of the road and leaves. Oh. I had to call AAA again and layer my toes to get to, I went to, like this, this, uh, to Arlington, Texas, where I found an awesome shop. Uh, called Dub Squared, and they I called ahead. They f- went to the junkyard for me, found me another rear diff. It was there waiting for me. They basically no brought my car in, put it up on, 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 on the lift, and three hours later, I was on my way again. And that's, wow. yeah. And they hooked me up on the price, and this is all because of, you remember Drew Dorberts? No. Dorberts Designs now? No. He had doesn't. a Passat with the, the rear speaker. Was a, uh, the rear... The rear yeah, the rear speaker was a, a suitcase, and he painted an uh, air tank to look like a suitcase. I know you know the car. I probably do. This was He was one of the original Air Ride guys, too. Okay. That's why we became close. But, yeah, he, I called him. He called Dub Squared. They had it all set up for me, and, you know, the rest is history. It was – honestly, this is what I miss most about our scene is the camaraderie. I was able to make a phone call, and – by the time I got to the place, everything was set up for me. I had a you know a bed to sleep in that night. I had people to go the rest of the way with, you know, and I had I made a bunch of new best friends, and that was what the scene was and why I kept on doing what I was doing. So now it's almost like because people are so it's so easy to get a hold of people and it's so easy to to network that people don't really do it for real anymore. Hey, I still do it. I'm still friends with all those same people, and I still drive cross country. I mean, are you going to be going to the new uh, Alpine, the Alpine show? In uh, I haven't been to a, I have not been to a Volkswagen show, in since H two O of twenty since the last time I had the green car. Well, maybe it's time to uh to open that chapter up again. It might be. I, I think mean, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna do the drive this year in the R thirty two from L A to Helen, and it's been years since I've done a drive like this, and I'm gonna do it. I I, I wouldn't mind going to an, to, to some of that stuff and maybe seeing some some old faces might be. Might be a good time. So, well, dude, I really appreciate you coming on. You want to hang out while we do some uh, some of the rest of the show? You want to just hang out and crack wise and yeah, I'll be here. <laughs> All right, sounds good. 
So we've got the uh, the best of 2018. So we, we do, and we divvied this up into categories. The the biggest, of course, overarching kind of is our episode of the year. Out of the 80-some episodes, we well, no, not 80 this 70, year. 70 episodes, maybe. Yep. Uh, we needed to pick the best episodes. We have three contenders here. So we're going to start out with our first contender for episode of the year. This is, of course, you going to love this. And this episode was um, Jake and I went up, drove up to Fargo, North Dakota, bought a Yugo, mm-hmm. and drove it home. So right. this was the episode that and was kind of Well, the highlight of the trip, I think, was when we stopped on the side of the road because Chris saw a Volkswagen Caddy sitting in a field. Yeah. So he goes, all right, we got we to gotta pull over. We got to just knock on this guy's door. I just say it was, hi. The, the truck was just sitting on blocks. I'm like, oh, I, see, I see it. I see I seen it. it. I see it. It was over there. <laughs> and anytime there's Volkswagen sitting in some dude's field, you know I'm going to pull over. So this is, the, this is just a little clip from the, from the guy that we met that owned those cars. He had and, bright blue eyes. And on uh, a good handshake, and he had uh, basically a, like a military style haircut, like shape, yep. sh- sh- uh, cut short on the sides. And he had blue overalls on, like blue machinist overalls, yep. which is the t shirt underneath, and uh, which is exactly what I would imagine some guy naming, named Lloyd that's 91 90 years old one. that has Volkswagens in his backyard <laughs> would look like. Yep. So, what everybody's thinking that person looks like, this is him. Yeah, you're, you're correct. So we go out there and we look at some of the cars and he's like, oh, I used to work on these. You know, I had a bunch of them. I've been, you know, I always like to fix them up and stuff like that. And we're walking back and uh, he's like, yeah, my wife passed away in March. Yeah. And I said, well, how long have you been married? And he goes, "Uh, we were married 67 years. And I saw this like vacancy come to his eyes. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but he had like, his eyes were really bright. And then when he said that, it was he had this, it was like the emptiness that his wife left behind when she was gone came behind his eyes and you could see it it yeah. was it was heart wrenching and i it, it broke my heart to see it and i thought of and i said well you know i've only been married to my wife for 12 years and that's i just being married to someone for 67 years was really impressive and he looked over there he goes oh that's her beetle right there and it's like a white new beetle with little eyelashes on it yeah and uh, he's like yeah i don't really know what to do with it anymore and it's just kind of sitting there, and it was it was it was sad. He had said that he was he had another tailgate for me that was cleaner than the one that was on the other truck, and he pulled it out and ended up being a, a white Volkswagen Caddy tailgate. And I told him, I'm like Lloyd, I really appreciate you showing us around, and I will keep this tailgate forever. I'll think of you every time. But at this point, I was feeling really close to Lloyd. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was so jovial and happy to have us there, and he kind of stood there and stood there proud with his hands in his pockets as he as he would talk to us. And, mm-hmm. And uh, and it and it was great. I I remember I was always talking a little bit louder than I needed to. Oh yeah, as well, I was he had talking. the hearing aids. He had the hearing aids, but he even if he didn't hear us, he looked at us and smiled. Exactly. You know. So I told him I would keep it forever, and I would think of him every time I looked at it. That was uh, that was one that might have a great episode, but also one of the top moments of my life was meeting that man. He was so special and unique. That was depressing, but. <laughs> It's, he it, was he was a cool guy to meet though. Did you did you not want to get the car from him? I didn't want to take anything away from him. He said that he'd auctioned some stuff off when his wife died and he got or before his wife was right. gone. Apparently that field that this was sitting in used to be full of Volkswagen. So he was he, just selling them off. He got rid of everything, but the thing is is that he was still he was so cheerful and excited about his cars that I didn't want to take anything away from him at that point in his life. I wanted that stuff to be his for as long as possible. And I didn't really need it. 
you know, there was a couple really nice, there was a really clean caddy in a shed, but I didn't, I didn't want to take anything from the man. You know, I wanted it to stay his. I feel like sometimes those are the best because you give a car a second life. And, you know, if you keep in touch with those people, you can show them what you've done with it, their car. I don't know how you would stay in touch with Lloyd. Um, <laughs> I've, I've thought about going back up there again. You know, maybe I'll go up there again in spring and check on things and see how Lloyd's doing. See if he's still Remember kicking. his little dog, too? He did have a little dog called uh, Twister. Or Twister, something. that's right. The dog would, like, spin in circles right. and stuff. Um, but, yeah, that was a you fun know, it's, memory. It's a sad story in a way, but it's sad in the way that it gives you contrast to your life of how important and meaningful things are and to not take anything for granted. And that's kind of what I took away from, from him is, you know, he talked about his wife and, you know, her little beetle, you know, the little beetle that he bought mm-hmm. for her to drive around. They still had it. And you could see that his love for her was still there. And it and being married for 60, whatever, you 67 years or whatever it was, it's just it gives you like a scope of the breadth of it's what life can be perspective a perspective and and it, it may be the story may be a little sad but it, at the same time the humanity of it is really special absolutely all right so um we're gonna go to uh so we're gonna split up the episode of the year yeah well, we've got three of them we have so, three yeah so we're gonna get back to that but before we do that we have a new category chris's favorite your best rant best rant all right so we're gonna start out with one of my well it's an early episode, three, two, one, fight, and this is where I profess my love for the Nissan Murano Cross Cabriolet. What do you think? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, just listen to the Fired. clip. <laughs> Big time. Yeah, man, she puts out. Okay, she can cook. Yeah, but you gotta, and she's, <laughs> she, she, she does all the things you'd ever want. She never says no. Uh huh. Would you be interested if she was a four and you were just like? <laughs> Uh, no, of course you wouldn't be interested. Chris, you would I not judge be interested. With my heart. You do not. You are a liar. You are a liar. You would not date that girl, and you would not drive this car. Please tell me you would not drive the Nissan Murano convertible. I, Say, take I it back. Take it one, all back. No, but I want to drive it. Why? Why? With the top down. No. Yeah. <laughs> are you? You're just fucking with me. Only a little bit. Okay. But I this, have always kind of thought this they were Buick cool. Thing, no, no, no. <laughs> Everybody just unsubscribe from the, the podcast right now. I, I like really weird, unique vehicles. Those things are so unique. Like, you, they're rare. You do not okay. see them. Yeah. Well, so is, like, finding a rotten tomato at the grocery <laughs> store. You don't go, oh, here's the rotten tomato out of all these beautiful tomatoes that I could have. I'll take this one because it's nothing like the other ones. No, you get the fucking best looking tomato and you take it home and you eat it. Chris, I never I never claimed that I was smart. Yeah, that's well, we're proving that, that's for sure. And this Buick thing is almost as bad. I took a well, picture of it. I don't oh, like I it as much like as the Murano because I feel like they're just copying the Murano now because it was such a great vehicle. Have you ever I've seen maybe one Murano convertible? Yeah. I've seen a couple. Okay. They're so rare. They're so cool. <laughs> I, I just I can't. I can't. I just I don't want to see one ever again. All right. That's no, I'm, still, I'm still standing. I'm, ju- I'm, my judging, guns you. On this I'm judging you. I'm judging you. No, both. that's fine. The Everyone world, has the their world thing. Is judging Are you, you. still going to stand by thing. this? They're just such a unique vehicle. Did, so when, when else do you have like a convertible SUV like that? There's uh, a reason drive, why. There's a reason why. You know what else is unique? The Mary Kay Cadillac, also unique. No, you want not. one of those? I barely ever a, see them. It's just a Cadillac with a paint job. So what? It's unique. It's rare. This was a vehicle that you cannot deny it had a singular vision in its design. It literally was the designer designed it for his wife. 
I just it? think it's very unique. And first time women, I saw it, I was like, what is that thing? Women that have too much plastic surgery also have a singular vision. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so that was a contender for best rant of right. the year. And it's still getting you fired up, obviously. <laughs> oh, I just, I can tell you're fucking with me a little bit. But Only I, a little, but there's but still I, part of me that's like, oh, it's kind of cool how different it is, and it's so unique. All right, so next rant. Do you remember that time that I bought a Renline battery relocation kit for my 911? I will never forget. Go right, ahead. Well, so we've been having some talks about my car doesn't run right. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm still trying to tune it and get it right. Yeah. And it's carbureted. Yeah. So what this I'm going to do is I'm going to buy the world's right. smallest battery. So if it doesn't start, I'll get like three tries till my battery's dead. That's fine. That's not fine. <laughs> the batteries are absolutely retarded. They are the stupidest on a streetcar, an Odyssey or a Dika. They're, they're, it's a waste of money. You don't. What weight are you saving? A lot. You're not a fat compared to the giant battery that was in there. Yeah. But you can get a normal size battery like mine, which has lasted years. You can get it from Porsche. It doesn't weigh anything. Tucks nicely in right next to your fuse panel where it's supposed to go. I don't Instead think I'm gonna have of, a like, problem. Not gonna have a problem. I don't have a stereo. I don't even have like any. It, it, no, nothing. All it needs to do is run the starter quick. Quick, like three times at the most. If that thing doesn't start right away, it will die. I don't believe you. I've owned them before. I've watched. <laughs> I've literally watched people at the track go because they have to start their car, drive around, go get gas, come back, do this, do that, go get, go to the gas station, come back. They start it like three or four times. After a while, that thing is dead. Well, I highly recommend you get rid of that. The battery location kit can also fit the slightly larger Odyssey battery as well. Why don't you happens. just get a normal battery from Porsche and put it in the normal spot? I it's don't understand. Ugly. It's not. It, you can't even see it. There's a box that the battery slides into in the get fender. You up. don't even see the battery. It's ugly. You can't see it's it. It's a grumpy old man. It's not even there. It just <laughs> slides in. It, they, they made a factory location for the battery. And because the battery that comes with the car is kind of small, they actually made... So what you've done is you've gotten... Volts. You've got a battery that is half the size of the original one that they put two batteries in because they were worried about the one that you replaced <laughs> being twice as big as the one you have being too small. So now you have a tiny battery. Yeah. Dude, you're going to... I can't wait till you are in the middle of nowhere... And your battery is dead. I am. I want. I'm. I'm rooting for the for the karma of the world. Just ruin. You are ridiculous. I did plenty of reading. No one has problems with them. I'll bring I, jumper cables with me. What is? What are you going to hook them up to? Your nipples? <laughs> <laughs> You're in the middle. You're of the nowhere. one getting fired up here. I think you'd be enough uh, power to just fire it up. I, I don't know. I, I don't think so, man. I I really. The car's light enough. I'll just bump start I, it. I highly recommend you do not keep that battery you're just jealous it's, no i am certainly not totally i paid jealous. probably as much for my porsche battery or more than you did for that one i bet okay so i'm not jealous this isn't like a <laughs> it just i i think you're screwed i i don't like renline i don't like i just i don't like rolling your car through the renline catalog I just, it's I, gonna be great. I I totally want those floorboards. So too, you got for the, the floorboards. Like you have to choose <laughs> the things you're gonna do. Like you can have a couple like things on the car that are like statement pieces. But if you tr have too many of those statement piece things, it starts to, you're gonna lose the plot a little bit. Like you have your wheels are already like a 
your wheels are an out there kind of thing. You're going to be subtle. They're flat they're black. Not, they're not subtle. They're They'll be cl- subtle. They're clearly what they are. Sure. They're outlaw wheels from 1552. The people are love it or hate it with those, okay? So you're already making a statement with your wheels, <laughs> and then people are going to open your door and get in, and you're going to have all this bare aluminum all over the car. For the from record, a car that's I'd from 1970. Black stuff. Fine. <laughs> it, it's, so you're going to have a, a black floorboard with speed holes drilled in it. Yeah. <laughs> Why? What's wrong? You have so much other stuff that you need to do to I that know. car. I do realize that. I literally want to burn this catalog <laughs> to keep you from buying anything out of this thing. You have so much more stuff to do. You have to admit that's a high quality catalog. Yeah, that's probably why everything in there costs a zillion dollars. That's what I said, yeah. <laughs> All right, are Just you done? Get, you're done get with your a, tirade? Get a regular battery, put it where it's supposed to go. It'll look nice. You can't even see it. It's tucked away. And then you can put drugs in the smuggler's box like you're supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> I think that wins best rant of the year. Uh, oh, that's amazing. Why don't you judge which one of those was the... <laughs> oh, no, the battery for sure. Okay. 100%. We'll, give the, uh, we'll give it to, to, okay. to Chris for the battery rant. Now, here's the thing. Has your battery died? What? Okay, it did. But, it's a yes or no I can't question. even qualify that? No. Has Wait, your... when, did you, when, when, when did this happen? This was earlier this summer. Earlier this because, summer, Because, I mean, yeah. those, little, those little mini jump boxes have been out for like a couple years now, which will basically like solve all of the problems. You know what also solved the problem is having the correct battery. <laughs> what if you want a little <laughs> battery? not get started hey, I on have this an, again. I have an Odyssey. In but my... you have a fuel-injected car that's going to reliably start every time. He's got Zenith carburetors on a 40-year-old <laughs> engine. I still hook my car up to a, uh, to a tender every night. I don't. Every night. I have to. I don't even disconnect my no, no. battery. Look, it just works. I have to do it or else it dies. You know, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what's great about that Renline kit? I have the battery turn off on it. Too you do. Now. Yeah, that is, that, so that, there you is, go. that is pretty nice. All right. All right. So we're going to go to uh, best history story. Now, Jake is the one that puts together all the history episodes. And we've got three here um, to choose from. We've got number one which is the Whittington brothers and their 935 K3. That was a... Uh, this was such a crazy story that this is a long segment here. We got, we got four minutes, so, so bear with us. But Oh, that's good. I think you'll agree. This was a very exciting episode. <laughs> so this is where the story gets, it gets really crazy. Okay. Um, you see, one of the Whittington brothers' investment holding was an air freight company. So this is where you asked if they work at all. He has an air freight company. So they own several planes that they would then hire out to logistic companies and other private companies, many of which operate internationally. (sighs) So I want you to pay attention to this, Chris. The story goes that many flights would come up from Mexico and land right at Atlanta Airport there. Some of these flights (laughs) happened to be at night. Okay, so what air traffic control didn't realize was that there would actually be two of the Whittington brother planes taking off in Mexico, flying in formation one below the other to avoid radar contact. And as they came into Atlanta airspace under the cover of darkness, one plane would actually land on the long straight at Road Atlanta racetrack while the other continued on to the airport. So at the track then, the planes would be unloaded into shipping containers that were placed in the back of the racetrack. The area was fenced off, patrolled, high security. What was was in these containers? Was allowed to go (laughs) into the storage space. It turns out the containers were absolutely packed full of tons of marijuana. Okay, so it was, it was marijuana then. Okay, It was marijuana and later cocaine. So these guys were running drugs to support their racing careers. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm into it. I love these guys. <laughs> the best story so ever. they continued to run their K3 cars and set actually 
like lap record after lap record and they actually set like a scorching lap record at daytona during one of their qualifying runs they were so fast many of the other competitors and people who were actually paying attention to the times said the time they laid down was physically not possible with that chassis okay so people are like what is going on so side note years later that very car that posted that qualifying time was purchased by the indianapolis racing museum this was actually a few years back they went on to restore the car and one of the door sills had obviously been like messed with or modified and they didn't know if it had been crash damage or what so they actually started cutting into it and found that the sill had been completely hollowed out and i don't quite <laughs> understand like on these k30 or on these k3s and 935s that sill is so much wider than right. our 911. I don't know what that's referring to. So maybe they had to, if they had to add weight to the car, maybe they would put it there or something. Sure. I have no idea. Yeah, that, that might be it. Um, so the restoration shop tracks down the Whittington Brothers' original team mechanic at the time for some insight. They wanted to be like, you know, what was this? How do we repair it correctly yeah. so it's original? The mechanic's like, oh, so you found the hole. <laughs> yeah. That's where we hide the nitrous system. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so in race trim, a Kramer K3 made somewhere around 750 horsepower to the wheels. In qualifying trim, it could be bumped up to another 100 or 2 horsepower just by increasing the boost. Yeah. The mechanic said they would be going around the banking of Daytona, putting down 1,200 horsepower <laughs> temporarily. Why didn't they do, like... 850 horsepower. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why, why did they have to go for 1,200 horsepower when you could just go for, like, if you're everybody else is making 700, maybe go for 775. Why do you have it. to? Because they could. I don't know. Quote, this is the mechanic. They would finish their qualifying lap, and then the engine would be melted as it crossed the finish line. But they didn't care. We'd just throw in another engine. Keep in mind, these 935 engines were $40,000 even back in the day. Wow. So that was that's still one of my favorite. That is a great episodes. story. That is a great story. That for might sure. be my favorite automotive history story ever told. You should listen to the whole episode, man. It is it really, really even crazy. And if you guys haven't listened to these as you go and it's something you hear, definitely go back and have a listen. Absolutely. Um, so uh, number two is uh, <laughs> you found the hole. <laughs> yeah. Found oh, the, you found the hole. Yeah. Well, so, ironically, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just wait till just, the next one. <laughs> speaking of finding the hole. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Or not finding the hole. And anyway, so we did a, uh, an episode on the Dale car. So this is a three part episode yep. about a fraud case of like bilking people out of hundreds of thousands of dollars um, on a car that was never actually built. And this is the big reveal for Jake on um, <laughs> some of the major fraud in this episode. This is this was one of my favorite episodes. Go ahead. Liz was finally arrested in, okay. in Texas. She registered six feet tall and over 200 pounds. Um but she was still a pretty good-looking gal, right? I think so. No? <laughs> she was fingerprinted, and her real name was revealed. Jerry Dean Michael. <laughs> Jerry Dean. I, I've got a picture of him right here. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Oh, hold on. I, this just this totally went by me. This You're is, telling me Liz is a man. Liz is a man. Liz is a man this entire time. <laughs> this entire time, Liz is a man. This, I've got a picture here. That is uh, Jerry Dean Michael. So Geraldine is Jerry Dean. Geraldine <laughs> is, is Jerry, Jerry Dean. Is Jerry Dean. I did not and, see this coming, Chris. And listen to this. Michael? Car Michael. <laughs> Car. Car Michael. 
yeah. for a car company. So Wait, it's Geraldine, what's... Jerry Dean, and Carmichael for car company, Carmichael. So it's Liz Carmichael. Oh, right. So she literally just put car in front of her real last, <laughs> his real last name. Yes. I'm, I'm so confused here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 This... So Liz, the con artist, is a man. Is a man. So this is like the con. And my assumption that, well, she must have been good looking to get everyone's attention and everything else. She couldn't have been that good looking because she's a man. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, good wow. On, good on you for thinking she was reasonably good looking, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> What's so crazy about that one? That was on the third episode. So I, you had me going for two full episodes of this. Three, because this. this is at the end of the third episode. You're right. So I kept this a secret for three <laughs> episodes. It was so hard. And you, mo- I could go pull multiple clips where you were like, she, yeah, not well, bad. Well, you obviously led me on. You were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he was like, oh, she had everyone's attention. She'd come into her room and light up the room. And well, I mean, if you listen to the story, like everyone was giving her all this money for this fraudulent Were you judging car. the picture or the stories? I didn't see a photo. Yes, he did. He definitely did. I showed you photos. She's my type, Chris. (laughs) 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 Well, (laughs) all right. uh, We've got one more in the best history story category. This one is uh, called "Certified in Seahorses." Right. This is uh, this that was pertaining to the history of myself. Right. But this was actually about the amphibious car history. So where is this one? All right. So Hans and Gretel quickly married and moved to Stuttgart, where Triple wanted to return to his old passion. The construction of automobiles. It wasn't his new passion. That are also boats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This guy just won't let it go. Which, keep in mind, is now illegal from the French. Uh, well, you can't sell them in France, right? Yeah. So Triple also persuaded three of his old designers to relocate to Stuttgart and immediately set to work building and testing new amphibious designs. God dang it. This is so stupid. <laughs> the first test car was powered by a DKW motorcycle engine. This okay. is the company his first car was, remember? Yeah. Which Triple found in a junkyard. <laughs> <laughs> when is Liz Carmichael going to come into play here? <laughs> <laughs> so many similarities. So... This first test car had no doors and had a pronounced streamlined body with tail fins. Pronounced? Pronounced. Okay. So as you can guess, a floating motorcycle that looked like a whale's ass didn't exactly take <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, I suppose not. <laughs> that was another good episode. That was. That was indeed. There, we've actually got a couple of things that we pulled from that episode. Yeah, it, that was a good one. Yeah, there was it, a lot was of good, good sound clips from that yeah. at least. So episode of the year, Candidate 2. Um, this is Leaving the Frame, Mexico Hold City. On. We didn't give the award. What is oh. the best history story out of those three? It's, it, it's hands down the Whittington Brothers story. Agreed. Hands down. Yeah, hands down. At the beginning of that episode, I say this is the craziest story that I'd never heard of before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty Definitely nuts. worth a listen. All right, so yes, we're splitting up the grand, uh, the highest honor episode yep. of the year for 2018. So we heard the you going to love this with our friend Lloyd. We our second candidate is leaving the frame, Mexico City to Newfoundland, Canada in a Volkswagen Beetle, or Newfoundland, oh, Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Newfoundland, yeah, Newfoundland land. So this is um, this is a a little clip from that. Now this was Manu and Maria who had been uh, driving from they they flew from Germany bought a Volkswagen Beetle in Mexico and drove it all the way to the port in Newfoundland, Canada and had it shipped back home to Germany. And they spent, what, three months doing this, I think? Well, they traveled the world first, ended up in Mexico, decided to buy a car and drove it. It was the one of the last 
old Beatles made because they still make them. Like the anniversary. 2002 is this happening? 2003. They the bought it in 2003. Was, right, but it was in 2002, right? Okay. Yeah, it was okay. something like that, yeah. But they, they stopped here. This was here. recent, yeah. They stopped here on their way to Canada and came on the podcast. And it was, it was great having them here. It, 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 was, it was awesome. So uh, we've got a clip for you from that episode. Baja California is the second largest peninsula in the world. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very long drive. It took us, I think it took us two weeks to drive out of Mexico. Wow. And I think it was... Uh, 10 days or maybe eight days to drive out, um, up Baja California. Also, we, we are driving in a bug. It's, it's really <laughs> exhausting. Like after three or four hour of, of hours of driving, you're tired and you really want to make a break. And it's not just physical tired. You're mentally tired, too. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Especially on roads that are bad. Yeah. The sound, right. it's, it's like it's this, this, this dazzling making sound of the engine. Beautiful sound. Yes, too. <laughs> I agree, but I mean it's it's like. But it's tiring. Yes, yeah. it is. It's like mm-hmm. like when you're a baby and your mom is hoovering, and then <laughs> you just fall asleep. Because <laughs> of that. I don't remember yes. that. But. Well, it's no? like it's like yeah. when you turn it off, you can still hear it. Yeah. It's that type of thing. Yes, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Great. I, I, you know, they're doing a Netflix film of their whole journey, and I can't wait to see it. Her voice is kind of awesome. She well, she is a she's A-list actually, actress in Germany, oh, like a very she, famous she sound, she film actress. Hot, yeah, so. she's she's she was, quite attractive. She, she was good. Yeah, yeah. she's she's quite attractive very and very very wonderful. All right, so we uh, that was episode of the year, Canada two, leaving the frame. All right, so we've got best guest is our is our next uh, our, our next category. Next category. Sure. Let's start with uh, number two, Ray Schaefer. Ray yeah. Schaefer. All right, here he is idea behind that car was, you're right. We Hold had on a one, second. One yeah. So who's Ray Schaefer, Chris? Ray Schaefer is uh, basically <laughs> in charge of Porsche Classic here in North America. Right. And this clip that he's going to, uh, is going to, we're going to play is him talking about Project Gold, which was a 993 that they dragged off the shelf in Germany as a brand new chassis and built it up by hand. Right. So go ahead. Idea behind that car was, you're right. We had one, one body shell that hadn't been used, that had been in storage since the 1990s. The idea, of course, when you have one body shell like that, it's like you're you're not really gonna, you know, do anything with it as far as sell it to somebody because you'll wind up with a car that wasn't ever really produced. So, I guess in order to, you know, to um, take care of that, it became well, what if what if um, to to prove the point that Porsche Classic has over 52,000 parts in the Classic parts catalog available for people to keep their cars on the road. What if we took the roughly 6,900 parts that we had specific to a 993 and we actually used them on that body shell so we could show people as like a rolling catalog that we actually we keep your cars on the road. We have enough parts we can actually make this one. It is a one of one. Uh, there are no more body shells to duplicate that, so that was it. Uh, and, of course, then there was a lot of handiwork that was done to it, but everything that was pulled off the shelf right down to the engine for that car was was measured and checked to put the best the best of the best into that gold car as a representation. It was completely built by hand by Porsche Classic. Yeah, right. this you have to think, you know, back when the 993s were produced, they were in a factory coming off of an assembly line. So all of those cars, I, in my mind, this, this gold car in, in no way changes any of the history of what was you know, the first, the middle, the last, whatever, of the uh, production cars, because those were made in a system at a factory during a time period. This is a car that was built by hand. So that, that was, it was really great to have to Ray on to talk about 
you know, there, we talked about a lot more stuff other than that too. But I really did enjoy talking to him. Yeah, and just hearing what they're doing at Porsche Classic. Yeah, and awesome. doing the the Carrera GT restoration. Those are old enough now that they're Porsche Classic restored a Carrera GT. Yeah. So uh, all right, let's move on to number uh, number uh, one, Maria and Manu. This yes. is this is Maria talking about. So she didn't really drive most of the most of the time at all until she drove this Beetle. She'd never driven manual transmission before, I don't think. I don't right? know that she ever had her driver's license before this. Class. That's right. She got her driver's <laughs> license before this. So here she is. When I got my driver's license, I was like, okay, now let's do this. And I have Manu at my side, and it will be all right. And then we bought the car. And actually, I have to say, I understood driving only when I was driving the bug, the Beetle, because it's, it's, it's something else. It's such a pure car and like with our car at home it's different it's like you have all the the technique and everything is so like you you can't feel it Mm -hmm. and i sit in in our car now in the beetle and it's it's so i really feel the engine and i feel what i'm doing and and i learned driving in this car it's really cool i like do you think that that emotion would translate to anyone do you think anybody would get in that beetle and go wow i feel it I think it takes some time, but I think it, yeah, they they will, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, number three. Number three, this is Kurt Oblinger. So this is a motorsports photographer from back in the day, and he took pictures of amateur uh, motorsports photographer, but he was at all the racing out in California and um, saw a bunch of Can-Am stuff, saw the 935s, lots of Formula One, and took a lot of pictures that I I really, really like every time he posts them. So I wanted to have him on the podcast to talk about that. But he also had this great story of this um, old Ferrari Daytona that he took up to Laguna Seca with a buddy of his. And before he left, the guy's like, you can come with, but you have to bring money because you might get arrested on the way there. So this is him telling the story. The traffic was nothing, nothing like it is today. The early in the morning on even on a main highway like, like that, it was really empty. So we could actually, there were stretches where we couldn't see another car, front or back, on either side. So there were places where we went, you know, kind of fast. <laughs> <laughs> Can you describe kind of fast? How, what are we talking about here? Um, well, back then, the, the national speed limit was 55. So we tripled that. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think it's the one. He's talking about the one or the 101. Assuming that the speedometer was semi-accurate, and it probably mm-hmm. was. Wow, that's, that's, that's an incredible story from Los Angeles. It, and sketchy. So we're yeah. going up. And I want no to, question. As we're going up, there's a section where there's it's two lanes each way, up and down, kind of like rolling hills. And we're going up, and we crest a hill. And as we crest a hill going north, we look over and a highway patrolman is coming south. <laughs> and it's like, uh, you know, eyes get big as saucers, and it's like brain waves are crackling through the air. <laughs> we go over the hill, and I'm turning around looking behind us as the cop goes over the hill, and just as he goes, just about to drop out of sight, I see the roof lights come on. So if you want to hear the rest of that story, you'll have to go listen to the episode. But very, that was very, good very, very good. So I, I'm pretty partial to Maria and my new story of having them come here. That would be... That would be. I think they were our, our best guests. That, that I really just because it was so special that they took right. the time. I would say you know personally having met them and yeah, hearing their story, yeah. interacting with them, absolutely. What's your What's your vote here though? Knowing just what we played, um, honestly, it's just such a nine nine three fan that hearing the story about the gold car. It's, it's something I heard before. I've heard yep. it's, it's like a fairy tale, and I actually hear 
a person that was involved in the project was uh, pretty amazing. So yeah. You I'm both Ray. Ray. That's all right. But, uh, Very cool. Honestly, everybody's a winner here. Listen, all three, I was just gonna all say. three of those pale in comparison to today's episode. So. That's true. Oh, oh there that's you true. go. Well, we didn't know. It's, it's, <laughs> there's still time. There's still time. All right. So uh, before we get into episode of the year candidate three, we have uh, this. This is probably Jake's favorite category. Oh, absolutely. These are the worst Jake accents of 2018. So, Mark, what you don't know, during my history episodes, I love to embody the characters. And uh, I'm quite good at it. So right. here, here we have Jake doing a French accent. I, I have oui, no idea. We would like to have a smoke, and <laughs> then you take a nap, and it is all good. I wonder yet. if it's pretty easy to escape. <laughs> yeah, we just, you know, the guards, they take to like, laissez-faire. They take, take a break. It's probably pretty easy to escape. <laughs> right. All right. So that's French. This is not PC at all. <laughs> no? Why not? That's the French... Uh, whatever. All right, number two, Jake is Hitler. Go ahead. No, I'm not Hitler. I'm talking to Hitler. Oh, you're talking but to I'm Hitler. German. So apparently Hitler himself even, quote, reluctantly and grumpily rode in the car a few <laughs> times. In, on the water? <laughs> yes. Too bad he didn't fucking drown. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Adolf, you, uh, <laughs> you, you would like to car? ride in the car? <laughs> no. Nine. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> reluctantly and grumpily. All right, number three. Number three. This Jake is, this is uh, from our Prepare to be Electrified episode. This was me being the, uh, the British uh, self. Ice by an early refrigerator, which, quote, caused an absolute sensation. Oh, my goodness, Martha, it's ice. Can you believe it? <laughs> I mean, that's just only a small sampling. There were many more there were, accents. There, there were many more. I think I'm going to have to go with the French one. The at French? The, there. the French is definitely the most uh, flamboyant. Well, it's the most offensive, so I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like it. That's a winner then. All right, All our right. final entry in episode of the year. Um, this is the road less traveled. This is where Alex came in, and we talked about um, my first drive back from California. Now, what I didn't say then that I know now is doing the Dazio film, doing that drive, was probably in terms of my professional career and and wanting to do so with Porsche and writing and photography was the biggest moment of my life so far so well we always hope for so far right <laughs> but um and this moment mm-hmm. that we're going to have in this from this episode was the best moment from that trip just to give gravity of what this means to me go ahead but that i had the the moment for me on the trip while i was there and i was um the sun was basically you know running parallel with us at that point because it had just right. crested the horizon and I was driving, and there was a cliff to my left. And I, and I remember the sun shining through the car, and I looked over to the left, and I could see my shadow of myself driving so like my car. it's a perfect silhouette of the it's car. It's a perfect silhouette. Perfect silhouette of the Perfect car. silhouette. And I remember waving at myself and almost crying because it just it impacted me so much that what I was driving and where I was and what I, was, what I thought I was accomplishing for myself. And, you know, I thought about what I was bringing Alex with and, and – all the culmination of all the car things I've ever done. I felt like it led to that Yeah, because it was, it's such a journey to get that car. And then it was such a journey to get where we were and seeing myself doing this thing that I had planned out and wanted to do so badly that when I looked over, I just, I literally waved at myself. Like, I like, mean, like, I, I, like was... I would like, it was another person that, right. that yeah. I was like greeting another individual. And it was myself. Like you were acknowledging that you, this was, this was it for you. I, yeah. I, it was, it's something like that. It's, I, I it's almost it, like, I, I don't know how to explain I it. I think what it was is for the whole time when we were on this trip, 
we were both in this car and it felt really like isolated, right? Like we're both in the car going through a place. It wasn't okay. really we're part of this area or a part of this destination. I see what you mean. And when he waved at himself, I think it was kind of him allowing the destination to realize that he was like the he made the environment change and respond to him and then he was like, Holy shit, we're actually here. So yeah, that was that was pretty important to me. And I, I still think about it as very, very landmark for me personally. Having nothing to do with professionalism at all. Like nothing to do with if we take the photography, the journalism, the movie, the film, everything away from it. That moment for me is just it's very special and I'll I'll never forget it ever. So let's say so we have um you going to love this one. And we have leaving the frame, and then we have the road less traveled. So I know what my vote is. It is number one. You going to love this one? Yeah, is my favorite episode that we did all of last year. Um, it's more than just Lloyd. It's the story of Gary, who we got the car from, <laughs> and his old uh, his what train is, collection. Yeah, his train. I thought he was going to murder us when he invited us into his basement to yeah. show us his train collection in the middle of North. Well. And he had oh, the, he had the, what did he have that, he had an AMC Javelin in his it was garage. was 71 Javelin. That he'd always owned. And oh, was, do you remember the jacket? He had like the car club jacket from the local small town from the year when the car was brand new. Because he was too. in the car club, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. That guy, so that's my, that's my Yeah, vote. I think we're partial because we actually experienced the whole trip. I don't care. But it was this, good. This is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> so the, from the three clips you heard, which do you, which episode would you most like to listen to? Of those three, um, being that I wasn't there to experience the Yugo episode, uh, listening to Manu and Maria. Maria. Maria is probably the one that I'd want to listen to. But um, I don't know. It's kind of an outside perspective, I think. Sounds good. Um, well, on that note, I think we're going to call it a call it a night. And call it a year. Call it a year. It's been great doing this with you, Jake, uh, over the last year. Our, uh, I've really de- developed what I consider to be a close friendship with you. Yeah, likewise. And everything that you've given to the podcast is, I can't thank you enough. And I really appreciate that you've stuck it with me for this long. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm more than happy to be here. So here's to a great 2019, everyone. Take care and Happy New Year. And thanks very much, Mark. Oh, yeah, Mark, thank you, too. (laughs) Thanks for having me, me and uh, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. Take Take care. care.